0: Hey, hey, and welcome to this episode of Connections Coffee and Confidence with me, Janice. Now, if you are a podcaster, a marketer, or a content creator, this interview with Rena Friedman Watts is exactly for you. And if you're someone who loves to learn about how people got to where they are now, Rena has a story that is going to keep you glued to your earbuds. Rena is an amazing wrap of like a thousand different experiences. She's gone from working in production on the Jerry Springer show to running her own podcast and production company, and an awful lot in between. She's a mom, and if you've listened to her podcast, Better Call Daddy, you'll know that she's a family woman as she includes her children and, of course, her daddy into her work. With her breadth of experience, and her, hmm, I'll try that attitude, I'm really excited to have Rena on. And there's a little special guest spot where her daughter Celia joins us for a few minutes. This episode has been heavily edited. I recorded for about an hour and a half and got it down to around the one hour mark. However, Rena and I ended up staying on the line and talking for three and a half hours. As a matter of fact, this episode just jumps in as part of the conversation. It probably goes without saying, we had a pretty good chat, and I hope you enjoy it just as much as I did. Hi, I'm Janice Fogarty, and I'm a communications strategist and consultant. The Connections Coffee Confidence Podcast is for professional women entrepreneurs who have established themselves and their business, and they're ready to get serious about using the power of communication to surpass their business goals. On this podcast, I discuss everything from leadership to establishing a business vision to the intricacies of creating messaging, publicity, and more. I speak to women who excel in communications in their business, whatever they do and get an inside look at how they created a thriving livelihood. So top up your mug and welcome to this week's episode. I remember hearing you tell a story one time actually about talking to your dad and like that one time you didn't hit record and now he asks you all the time. I was like, I better make a note here that hit record, Janice, hit record.
3: Literally every single time we can Can you hear me? are we recording? Can you hear me? Did you hit record? It's like a broken (laughs) record. God love him. He's got my back. I was going to say he's looking after you,
0: (laughs) but I know you make one mistake one time. It's
3: true. It's true. He's very careful.
0: Yeah. But at least you've got somebody who's doing that. Like if, if I don't catch it, it's not being caught.
3: (laughs) I have had an entire hour-long conversation with someone without hitting record once. Oh, and my heart hurts right now. Literally, I was just like, "I can't do that again." <laughs> like, I'm glad we had this conversation. I'm glad we connected. But like, do you really like want to reconnect and just tell me
0: all of that again? Again. And, I know. Sometimes it totally kills it. I know. I know. And I, you know, I had the same kind of situation, similar, but different where my audio was like really crackly. It was a tough interview. And I just decided like, I'm going to edit out whatever kind of crackles and crinkles I can. And, and I'm going to roll with it. Cause like you said, I I was, we were never going to have that conversation again. I had roll with it.
3: I had a similar situation where I interviewed a guy who went to jail for murder. And I felt like there was magic in that episode and the audio. I had to Uh, run through a filter. Yeah. And there was some back and forth with the editor. And I was like, you can't recapture that magic. Let's just air it. And people liked it. It was fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes we make a bigger deal out of it than what it is in reality or how people receive it.
3: So one thing that you said to me too, is like how things have grown, like over the last year of us knowing each other. I really believe if you show people your pauses and you show people some of your imperfections, like my hair does not always look good. I am not always wearing makeup. Sometimes I've just come from a run. People relate to that.
0: I don't relate to that <laughs> unless you're being chased. Then I understand. But <laughs> like- so for the last year I wasn't running, but
3: I just started. <laughs> okay. But I'm just saying like showing yeah, the, what you're really going through. Yeah. Showing yeah. the messy hair, showing the not makeup, showing the with makeup, showing the hair looking good, showing the hair not looking good showing the rehearsed intro and showing the intro where you paused for a minute, because you forgot what you were exactly going to say. Like, sometimes I actually just roll with that. Like how much nitpicking can you do? And people really don't prefer polished.
0: Yeah. And it's so interesting because like from my background where I've like my background's all in in PR and I've done all the media training where you rehearse your messaging and you like you drill that and you get that down and it is like a well-oiled machine. And, and then the world changed and people like, you still have to have a message and you still have to be able to deliver it and, and know what you're talking about. Um, but you can be human in your approach. And people I find are a lot more sympathetic, you know, like the standard for what you deliver, it still has to be good. Like it still has to be intelligent and personable or whatever, but it doesn't have to be the high polish.
3: I even experiment still. Like if I have a funny headshot of one of my guests. Sometimes I don't put the little better call daddy branding on it. And I'll just put the picture of the guest and I'll share that in my story or I'll share it on Facebook. And then I'll do the branded one on Instagram because my feed is branded. Yeah. And I'm telling you like the one that doesn't have the branding on it will get more interaction.
0: Is one of the things that I love about you is that you do experiment and you try and you ask questions and you um, and it's funny because I was actually in a group the other day and I, a woman had come on and I was talking and I said to her, you know, like there's this woman, you need to go and look at her because she's just throwing stuff out to see what's interesting, to see what sticks. There's no personal attachment there. It's like, I don't get the feeling that you have a personal attachment to the questions that you put out or um, the people that you are speaking to. I mean, you're respectful and you're, you know, you're a good interview, but it's not like, Oh, they need to like me. No, you're there. You're getting their story. Um, And that's really hard for a lot of people. It is. I think too,
3: I heard, I heard a woman talking about this today, how she has a hard time knowing, and I think a lot of people have a hard time knowing, like how much of a conversation to have first. Yeah. Like how much getting to know the person do you have to do first before you can tell them about your business? Or like, I feel like that's one of my strengths. Yeah. I've done like the strength finder thing. It's like my number one strength is woo, and that's winning people over. I feel like there's a bit of an art to like knowing who you have to research and who you have to handhold. Yeah. You know, who needs to have a conversation with you beforehand in order for them to trust you and open up, and who's just going to be like ready to rock and roll and flow with it. Yeah. Like, if you're getting a bigger guest and they're only going to give you 20 minutes, there's going to be no handholding there. You better do your research. So I've had that situation, but again, come prepared. You like, you better listen to them on at least two or three other podcasts and stalk their social.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I find sometimes people don't, don't do that. It doesn't oh, even the cross don't. their mind. Or there's the odd person who's like, oh, that's kind of creepy, or that's a little personal. I don't, oh, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, dude, how like you need to know who you're talking to and how they interact and like be nosy, be curious. Oh, yeah. Find that stuff out. Yeah, you and can tell. There's rules
3: around that too. Like, oh, yeah. you know, there's a lot on Google. <laughs> And I have had mistakes where I have brought things up that I have found that have rubbed people the wrong way. That's only happened a few times. Right. out of almost 200 episodes. But I would rather make that mistake and go after my curiosity and try to ask the questions that interest me and try to get the story that nobody else has told because that's the part I enjoy mm-hmm. and apologize later.
0: How much of what you do is strategy and how much is like scratching an itch to get the story?
3: Yeah, I definitely think it's leaning more towards scratching the itch, but I will say that I have done a lot of things in my career and I feel like all of that experience, like planning lunch and learn events, booking big guests for other podcasters, being a co host of another show, working in radio, working in casting, being a post production supervisor, all of those skills have lended to what I'm doing now. Yeah. So, yes, I'm scratching an itch with the stories that I'm finding, but I'm also trained at casting stories. I'm trained as working as a field interviewer, as a post production supervisor. I know what part of the story to include and what I can scratch off.
0: And so like, what, what is your background? Can you explain to me? Like I said, I've
3: done, (laughs) I've done so many things. Um, My very first job, I started off as an intern for the Jerry Springer show.
0: Yeah,
3: And I worked my way up from intern to producer in one season. So I really learned all of the roles in production, you know, An intern got to entertain the guests, got to listen to the associate producers booking the guests. Um, The associate producer casted the guests, pitched the stories to the producer, got on the phones, had to make sure that the people came to town, had to work with the guests in the green rooms and get them to go on stage. And as a producer, you're writing the scripts, you're managing the budget, you're pitching the executives, you're briefing Jerry backstage. So I've done all of those things, Mm -hmm. which was such an incredible training ground. After that, I did try sales for a couple of months (laughs) and that was not my thing. I was like, if I can talk (laughs) to people and do crazy things on national television, I could probably sell some sporting event packages, but it was much different.
0: Yeah.
3: So I moved from Chicago to LA and started all the way over. Like I did not know anyone, even though I got into the producers guild and had access to internal job postings and saw jobs that I would dream of having just working as a producer on one show did not really get me to that producer level right away. I had to then go from producer to executive assistant to three producers who had worked in the industry for 30 years But what was great about that, I worked for the Kyoto brothers. I've actually interviewed them now, 15 years later on my show. And they just came out with a Netflix special last year. And to see their progress has just been truly amazing. But I worked for a special effects animation company in Burbank. I took an executive assistant role. I learned the business side of the film industry. So I helped with accounts payable and receivable, and all the time cards and SAG contracts and being on set and really being behind the scenes, which was just another side of show business that I didn't know. And then yeah. from there, I became a field interviewer at VH1. And then from there, I worked my way back up to post-production supervisor and got to work with voiceover talent and making sure the show was cut to the right amount of time and handled all the deliverables to the executives and all of these things stacked on each other. And then I got married, had a Little uh, stint of having three kids in four years and taking mm. some time off to be a mom, and then kind of tippy-toed my way back into the entertainment industry, where when my kids were in preschool, I did court research for a couple different court TV shows. So that was something I could do while they were in playgroup for four hours. I would go to all the courthouses and go through the small claims cases and fulfill that story junkie in me of, finding the best stories and then keeping up with some of the producers that I knew in LA. I mean, I could just keep going. So that turned into me then casting for America's Got Talent. That turned into me working on Divorce Court. That It was like that entrepreneurial thing of, hey, I can hustle and work on different shows and learn new skills. And then I decided to take a corporate gig and try corporate America for a bit. I was a program manager at a voice over IP company in the telecom space. I started planning lunch and learns there. Then I wanted something closer to home where I didn't have to take the train back and forth downtown and manage my kids being with a nanny. So I took a job at a financial firm, got insurance license, sold, (laughs)
0: tried that. (laughs) That is like a total sideways, not even a step. That's like so different.
3: It is, but I'll tell you the, the thread there was I can market anything right? And so I was marketing these financial events. I'm like, really good at getting people in the room, whether Mm -hmm. that's in the entrepreneur space, whether that's in the voiceover IP space, whether that's in the financial space. I do prefer working with entrepreneurs though. I did figure that out after the financial firm. So I met a girl who's also been on my podcast. Her name is Shauna Arnault. and. I hired her when I was working at the financial firm to help me put together one of these financial seminars. Cause she did like event planning, met her through LinkedIn and she found out that planning these financial seminars were a lot harder and different than the entrepreneurial Gary V events that she was planning. Right. And so when she found out I wanted to leave there, she was like, Hey, you could help me with sponsorships for the Gary V event. I was like, Oh yeah, I totally want to do that. And so I did. I ended up booking spirit airlines and I booked this other guy who gave me a sponsorship that we connected through LinkedIn. And I was like, maybe I should help people with sponsorships for their events. Cause not everybody can do that. No. Nope. So I tried that for a while and I helped people market their events and get sponsorships for their events. And I worked for some influencers doing that. And I tried that and then constant pivoting, constant pivoting, like figuring out where people need help. Where can I add value? Where does my mojo work?
0: And then just doing it,
3: and doing it, and look now I'm telling people, you know what, I don't really want to do sponsorships anymore. It's actually more work than you want to pay me for. And you know what, I don't really want to book you on podcasts because maybe I don't like the way that you conduct business. But then you know, through my podcast and meeting 200 people, there are people that I do want to do business with, and they're like, hey, can I pay you to do this? And I'm like, I'll try that. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like, yeah, it's it's constantly like entertaining things that come your way and like getting into the flow of that and saying yes to things that sound great that you want to try and being able to leave it when it doesn't work or you know working with somebody for six months and saying this isn't really like going the way that I want or um, I feel like I've done enough for you like maybe I should introduce you to someone else it's it's referrals it's figuring out who your niche market is It's, it's so much pivoting
0: And a lot of connecting and networking. And I love the fact that you don't seem to let people go. And they, like, obviously the Kyoto brothers remembered you. Or they would not have agreed to come on your podcast or might not have. So that speaks very highly to you and your ability to make an impact and to um, have a lasting impression. But do you find it difficult? to keep up with all of your different connections or is that just part of how you, how you live your life?
3: I do think that some connections are for a season and some connections are for lifetime. The Kyoto brothers were like a family run business. They were so cool and rooted for me so much that they let me be an executive assistant, take that job on VH1 for six weeks and come back. Did they let me do that twice? No, but they let me do that once. And like, I was close with their wives. I, you know, was close with their kids.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: They they were like a special chapter. There are special people like that. Like, I even worked for a guy on Nanny Nine One One, Rusty Austin. I'm going to shout him out, and he took me from season one to season three, he even, you know, offered me an opportunity on another show. There's some people that you just like want to ride on their coattails. And there's some that you're like, this was great. I learned a ton. I made some amazing connections through you. And like, I need to do me now. And you try to leave on the best terms that you can. And
0: (laughs) and everybody accepts that. I mean, that's life. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) That's (laughs) That's life. And that's
3: entrepreneurship, definitely.
0: Yeah, it is. If you're open enough to meeting all the different people, you're going to find the people you want to stick with or the people you want to just stick with for now. Exactly. Uh, Like my head is reeling with all the everything that you've done. (laughs) Like my head is just like, holy God, I'm tired just listening to you now.
3: You're so crazy. crazy. Sometimes I'm like... I don't know. I just, I feel like people have done more. And I'm like, what are they going to ask me? I'm like, I feel like most people want to know about my Springer chapter. That's like, and you know, what's really funny about that is that that was my first job out of college. So like, I did not realize like what a special opportunity that was until much later. I thought Mm. it was going to be so easy to get those kind of opportunities again and again. Whereas I did end up working on some cool shows. It took me like two years to get up to that title level again.
0: I did something similar at a university. I moved across to the other side of the country and I was a manager in the communications shop for uh, one of the ministries, Ministry of Education with one of the provincial governments. And I ended up being speechwriter for the minister and she was also the deputy premier of the province. So, and I mean, with something like education, you get a lot of exposure there. And I was like, Yeah. So um, I'm actually just going to go live in Ireland now. So thank you so much for this opportunity. And I've never made that much money ever again in my entire career. (laughs) I left Springer with no
3: backup plan. I literally like (laughs) produced the season opener for like the third season that I was going into with them. And one of my guests came up to me and said to me, how can you live with yourself? And let me tell you, I was already getting burnout. Like I didn't even realize what that terminology meant at the time, but I definitely was. I was living and breathing that show, that life, all of it. And he said that to me. And I literally was like, walked in with the senior producer and the executive producer. And they were like, tell me how great of a show it was. And I'm like, I'm done. Like, I'll take the white box. Here's the security card or whatever. And I know, I like, I really thought that something else was gonna come easily. And it didn't, I, I interviewed all around and oh, I just, then I realized that there wasn't a lot of television opportunity in Chicago. There was like working for ad agencies, sales jobs, that kind of stuff. But it was basically like Oprah, Jenny Jones, maybe one other yeah. show. Like there was not a lot of opportunity. I was like, time to move. Yeah. And I, I can totally relate. Like, I took a two month sales job after that. It was so not a fit. It was like chop shop, like fold out tables and like cowbells every time they like made a sale. And I literally like went out for a smoke break and never came back. Like left all my stuff on the table and was like, they called me like an hour later. They were like, "Are you coming back?" I was like, "Nope, keep That's the binder." Brilliant.
0: Oh my gosh.
3: So irresponsible, so carefree, had money in my savings and was
0: like, well, let's move to LA. I'm sure they're not going to come after me now. I went, worked illegally and eventually got legal and, um, and I mean, ended up with citizenship and all my boys are born there. And like, I was there for almost 11 years. So
3: that is so cool. <laughs> I love that.
0: Yeah, that was not, that was not in the plans, but that's, that's what, uh, worked out. How cool is that? And,
3: and look, like when I worked at Springer, they used to pay you like sabbatical over the summer. Like you work like nine months straight, like practically no days off. Like you were living and bringing a job. And then it's like a a school teacher kind of, except for you work like a hundred hours a week versus however many hours they work. And like, they paid me over the summer. I came back, I produced one show. And then I was like, I'm out of here. (laughs) they were not happy. But let me tell you in that three months, I like went to Italy for a month and like Uh, lived it up. I've never done that since. Like I was living like a 20 year old, a 21 year old. I was so young. I was like one of the earliest producers there. Um, and I wasn't used to making that kind of money either. Yeah. And I wanted to be a big city girl and I wanted
0: to experience things. And I did. (laughs) There's so much bravery in everything that you just described. It's brave to walk away from a job like Springer. Naive, but brave.
3: I was close with my boss. He was so cool. Like we would go out for lunch and, you know, he would talk about his dreams and him moving to Hollywood. And I shared my dreams with him too. And he like wanted to support that, which is so cool. God, if we could all have bosses like that or leadership like that, that like really wanted to make you better or really wanted to be a part of, of your dreams.
0: I know when I left the ministry of education, the deputy came to my office and had a little chat and I was thinking, Oh no, he's going to tell me I'm so stupid for walking away from this. And I didn't know this, but he had daughters my age. And he was like, you should totally do this. You should go to Europe and see the sites and do what you got to do come home when you're ready. And I was like, wow. Okay. Suddenly this doesn't seem like the crazy idea that everybody else is telling me this really is, <laughs> you know, like it was that little bit of validation, that little bit of support that just makes all the difference.
3: Yeah. Like the guy who I was directly reporting to you, God love him, Roger Med- Medinich, he was like vicariously living through me. He was like, you know, take that, do that. You know, we'll still be here. Yeah. That's lovely. As an adventurer. There's so many people like that in LA though that are dream seekers. Yeah, I'm super curious now because I'm a mom of four, like your thoughts around how education is going now.
0: I don't know. I think we're in in so many different ways. I think we're in like a really massive social experiment. I agree with that. <laughs> the kids that are are going through school right now are going through things that none of us have have gone through and they're going to enter a world that none of us have imagined. So I don't know. I don't know. I know you asked me about education and I, i the workforce the is changing
3: too. And the more you bring that up, it's a fire conversation too. I was having a conversation with a girlfriend earlier today. She's single, has no children, and I'm a mom and I have four children. And she was saying that she felt the people who were single at her company were having to take on more responsibilities and have less leniencies than the people with kids. So I decided to pull my audience about that on LinkedIn. Just say I was talking to a single friend and I myself am a mom boy, there was some heat there. People are like, well, just because, you know, someone's single doesn't mean that they don't have the same responsibilities, doesn't mean they don't have kids. I was like, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I was talking to my friend who's single and I'm a mom of four and we were talking about what work has been like for us. I do realize that there are people that are single and that have kids and that's crazy too. But boy, that is a heated argument. And whereas I do think it's great that things are changing, I also think things still need to be talked about.
0: There (laughs) is a lot that should be talked about that just isn't. I know I I get a lot of flack because I do talk about autism. I don't talk about it that much, but when I do talk about it, it's like, you know, you you shouldn't. And I do mind- what I say about our personal lives, because they're getting to be an age where it's their choice, whether they tell people their diagnoses or whatever, but like when they were younger, I would get a lot of flack for even taking them to get diagnosed. Like really? Oh, that gives me the chills. Yeah. Yeah. But the way the system is set up, if you don't have that piece of paper, signed off by however many doctors or like whatever then you don't get the supports that you need and that was the system that i was in and therefore that was the system i had to to work you know so listen in this like new world how do you describe yourself like what do you when you talk to people how do you answer the question what do you do
3: you know i was thinking about that since you kind of prepared me And I have pivoted that question umpteen times, but lately I say I help entrepreneurs get seen by building a community or helping them start a podcast, being a part of my podcast community. I think that's really where I'm putting my focus right now. Yeah. Since creating a podcast, I am now helping produce other podcasts, which I found is even better than monetizing your own. You know, a lot of people when they start a podcast are like, oh, how can I get sponsors? Like so many people want to know that. But the truth is, is once you learn how to do something and you can teach others how to do what you know now how to do, there's more money there. And there's so many people that want to start a podcast now. So I started a podcast, but from my former marketing work, I knew a camera guy here locally in Chicago who was doing a live podcast shoot in the healthcare space. And I had done some marketing for his wife's salon and spa. So he called me up and was like, Hey, if you need help with casting, Rena would be great to help you cast guests. It started like that. Mm -hmm. You know, at first I was just going to help him cast the guests. Then that turned into me directing the shoot. Then that turned into me managing his social. Then that turned into me, really like taking over everything. And then another show was like, oh, hey, I saw what you did on that podcast. If I write the questions and we have the guests, can you supervise the recording and supervise the editor and operate as an agency? I was like, yes, I can. So again, it was a pivot, but very complementary to the work that I was yeah. doing. Then I had somebody else who was on the first podcast and he was like, I would like to do internal communications within my own company. So maybe two to three minute segments, one a week, talking about the wonderful things that my employees are doing. I'm like, I can totally help you brand that. That's a great idea. You can use it on LinkedIn. You can turn it into a short podcast. There's many ways you can repurpose that content. So again, Mm -hmm. it's like using my marketing. It was a relationship from the first project carried over into a new project. And so many opportunities have come like that. I've had a couple of people that were on my show that were like, Hey, can you get me on 10 other shows? I'm like, yes, I can as a service, you know, or, yeah. Hey, I love a lot of the guests that are on your show. If I like you. And if we have a relationship, I'm happy to make those introductions as a service. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And a lot of my relationships too, like you were saying are 20 year relationships. Like you got to know the person that you're making the introduction to before you just decide, like, I'm willing to take money from this person. Right. You don't want to just take money from someone. Like you want to know that that's a good shit, uh, a good match.
0: There's integrity to it.
3: That has come though. Like through being an entrepreneur for three years in the beginning, I'm just like, <laughs> me. Yeah, let's work together. Not anymore. Definitely yeah. not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. The integrity piece has helped me pivot multiple times, especially in life insurance. Like when I caught on to the fact that the people didn't really need those large policies that the person I was working for was selling. I'm like, would I sell that to my friends and family? No. Okay. I can find another job that will pay me what you're paying me. (laughs) And I got the knowledge. I got the license. I could do it myself if that's something that I want to do, but I'm not really so interested in doing it. But went through the exercise of it, and again, honed those skills of getting people into the room, honed the skills of marketing the event, saw what got people to the room, saw what got people to buy the policies. And then I was like, hey, I can take those skills and market something that I actually believe in or work with people that I actually want to (laughs) market.
0: tell people what you do, do you find there's an understanding or like curiosity or do people glaze over or how does, how does that play?
3: So a lot of people message me and they're like, you help entrepreneurs get seen. How do you do that? I'm like, well, where do you need help? So it definitely does spark an interest. And then I just kind of talk to them and get them to talk like, do you need help appointment setting? Do you need help filling your podcast? Do you need help getting media placements, like how do you want to get seen? Yeah. What are you up to? I've worked with, uh, you know, an author who wanted to pay me a flat rate to get her five to seven testimonials of hard to reach people that she didn't think she could reach on her own. But the thing is, is she already had 40,000 followers. She already had other best-selling books. She already had a following that I could market. I was like, oh man, you'd be easy to reach out to these folks for. But the thing is, too, is like if you have somebody that knows how to reach out and how to do the messaging, it looks better if somebody's reaching out on your behalf versus you doing it yourself. Mm. So, yeah, I, I worked on two of her books and I feel like I enjoyed that. And, you know, she gave me a list of like 15 people that she would love to have testimonials from. And a couple of the people on the list, I was pretty close. To being able to get. And so I was like, let's try it. This sounds fun. This is something new. And it worked out. <laughs> she hired me again. And then she sponsored my podcast. And yeah. I love so, that. I love that. Can it's... I do that? Not all the time. Can I do that? Sounds fun. Right. Like yeah. it, it felt complimentary to what I like doing. Like I had booked people from america has Got Talent, I had booked people for the Kathy Heller podcast, you know some of those relationships were close to who she wanted me to reach out to. So I felt like I haven't done it, but I, I think I can. Yeah. Let's try it. And the Let's price try. is right.
0: Mm. It's a good combination.
3: And Let's try what, it. it was a pretty good right. timeline. Like she didn't need it right away. So I was like, that's another factor. Like, does somebody need it in the next week? Does somebody need it in three months? Right. If they're giving you three months and they're giving you a retainer, and they're not giving you a process of how they're just like letting you be yourself that's fun
0: it is that is fun when you can be yourself and your on retainer i have one client like that and she was saying to me like i think why you why what you create for me works so well is because you get me and that comes out and I'm like, I love yeah. that. And I,
3: that's a great compliment.
0: It was massive compliment, and it was true though, because I do get her. I really, I really get her. So it's like that's easy work.
3: I felt that way with my client too. She saw my strengths in me before I saw them. Mm. She made me take that Strength Finder test, or not made me, but suggested it. And then yeah. she was like, "You'd be perfect for this." I've actually had clients not just her another influencer that I worked with too was like hey i just want to like know your strengths know how we would work best together will you take this and i took it and then she hired me
0: she was like oh we're a lot alike isn't that interesting that is interesting and it's also interesting <laughs> that she hired you on the basis that you guys were a lot alike cuz there's so much um like advice where you hire for your gaps so it's interesting. She was that like, I think you could handle this
3: great. Like I would,
0: I don't have the time for this. Yeah. She needed another her. Yeah. That's really cool. That was. And you know what? Like five years ago, that wouldn't happen. Do you know what I mean? Like this is, this is the whole going back to what we were talking about earlier about how things have so changed, like the world that our kids are going into it's there, the expectations are just not the same. You know, like it. I really I try even to prepare encourage. Them. I, I
3: really try to encourage my kids' talents. Yeah. So, one thing I did during the pandemic was I hired a reading and writing tutor for my eight and 10 year old. If you were talking about tutors, I felt like as long as they kept up their reading and writing, like over the last year, that that would be something that they. Yeah could focus on. And it was like one of the best investments. One, I was supporting an entrepreneur who wanted to go into doing that for children because she found that books really helped her when she was bullied as a child. So I was, I was supporting another entrepreneur and Mm -hmm. I felt like I didn't really have the time to stay on top of all four of my kids. So it was like, just something that I wanted to do. My daughter ended up writing a book and collaborating with the mentor and like finding her voice and like got super creative. And now my son, he took a couple months off from it since school started again, but he actually wanted to start back up with her. I was like, great! wow. Now my daughter too, like, since, you know, they haven't been able to do so many like physical activities. She's like, you know, like dance isn't being offered and I'm really into art, but a couple of my friends asked me if I wanted to do basketball. She's like, I think I want to try it. I was like, great.
0: Let's try it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, oh, i saw her book on your website that is so freaking cute you must be bursting with pride she's bursting with pride
3: which is the bigger blessing yeah she's so proud of herself from putting that together and at one point i'll be honest i was like should i pay to like actually publish this you know oh yeah
0: yeah it's reasonable I, mean, I
3: was like you know, I was like, I supported another mompreneur, Shari Perry, that got laid off from Red Bull. And, you know, she did my podcast art. So she did the cover for Celia. And I felt like that was really special. I supported her tutor and I helped her complete something. Like you said, like when she had to tell her biography of like what it's been like during the pandemic, that was like one of her biggest accomplishments. It wasn't about like what The pandemic was like it was about a dolphin who couldn't hear music. Like how creative and it's amazing that she like told a story of diversity. So
0: interesting. That's beautiful. I love it. I love the fact that I I love all of that. I can't (sighs) even break it down. I just love all of that. I love the supporting other women. I love the supporting your child and helping your daughter see that she's creative and she is capable. And this is what it's like to start a project and see it all the way through.
3: Cause that's not, not... you have to do that with everything. Like I do believe in trying things and when, when they're not for you walking away from them. Yes. But also like you said, finish something. And she finished that. And I helped her with like the finishing touches. Like she formatted that. She worked with the tutor and illustrated the inside. She, it was such a creative process. Yes. Thank you for acknowledging that. And let me tell you something else too. Like I'm getting ready to be a part of a photo shoot this weekend with um, a girl who our relationship has been over the past couple of years too. Like she had an idea to create a magazine and she wanted to be around like body positivity and mompreneurship and, courage and confidence and all of these things. And I'm taking my daughter to that shoot. You know, I interviewed a guy who stopped a synagogue shooting in San Diego. I brought my daughter to that shoot. She sat in the back, but saw the policemen and, you know, yes, I want to show my daughter through experiences, kind of like you were saying, you showed your your children through experiences and and through the world a different education yeah what you're not being taught in school
0: I love that and she's young enough not to be jaded by the teenage crap that our kids get inundated with
3: Otherwise, she's just going to get like sucked into TikTok. Like, you know what's so funny? Like, she wants to do TikTok. I, I I haven't let her get on there, but she has like a bunch of them in drafts. And you know what? She can be girl. Like, I I did get her a ring light, and she does have a phone with no access, you yep. know, <laughs> other than at home. Yeah. And I, you know, I've even done some of the little silly dances with her. And I want her to express herself and and have friends and all of those things, but. This entrepreneurship thing is such a powerful tool, much more yeah. powerful than that, much more positive. And, and I share with her the wins, the struggles, the losses, all of it. Yeah. I even after the speaking event, like I used to get really nervous in front of a crowd. I, on the way there, I put on some music and I was like throwing my hands in the air. We were like dancing on the way there. And then afterwards, when I felt like it went pretty good, I popped that music back on and we were singing. She was like, Hey, my brother needs a winter coat. I'm like, let's stop and do that too. I'm like, you need a new pair of jeans, you know? And like, we like celebrated together. She saw my nervous energy on the way in. She saw me looking at my notes and my cue cards and like, looking a little unprepared and not knowing where she should sit. And she saw all of it.
0: She saw you not a hundred percent, but doing it anyway.
3: Exactly.
0: And that's massive.
3: I could do that for all my kids. Actually, my husband was like, are you going to do that for our sons too? But there's something about doing that for your daughter maybe because I am one of three girls and I didn't have a mom that did that for me that I feel like more than I need to do that for her.
0: Yeah. I don't have any daughters and I was the only girl and I was like the second girl in two generations. Really? So yeah, I feel like I do my bit by trying to raise boys that are a little bit better equipped who deal with women as equals, as people. That's huge too. Yeah. It's it's all balancing the scales, you know, and allowing them to have their emotions and like encourage them to have their emotions. And that's like that's multi-layered because of the, the autism spectrum and all that jazz and hormones and whatever. But there are still a lot of. Uh, societal norms that don't want boys to show their emotions. And I'm like, no, you know, there's a time and a place. Like nobody needs to burst out crying in the grocery store. But when you get home, yeah, that's time and place and have your emotions and you feel them and you work through them. And then, you know, you get up and you do your next day and Without a daughter, it's all I can do.
3: (laughs) I love emotional guys. I totally married one. Yeah, my dad's emotional too. I, I like guys who wear their heart on their sleeve. I did just recently read a book. Oh my God, I forgot the name of it. I think it's like Diary of an Oxygen Thief. Have you heard of that?
0: I don't think so, but it's like a really good title.
3: Yeah, it's totally about a guy from Ireland and he talks about that. Was it hard for you
0: to adjust to like that? There was so much that was so hard for me to adjust to. But they do some things that are absolutely bloody fantastic. They do community. They do um, fun. They live life. They travel. They explore. They educate through experience. Anywhere you go the Irish are there. And that's been, that has been one of the things that I have absolutely loved about my husband is that wherever we have gone, we've always had a ready-made community because the Irish just gravitate together and they work together and they support each other. And they, for the most part, we've always had a really good community that looked out for you and took care of you.
3: I think it's so great that you mix things up like that. And I think people need to be more adventurous and mix things up. Like, look, I know morning routines are good. And like, you know, it's great to get your kid to school on time. And it's great to do your workout at X time a day, but take a different freaking route. Like go to a new coffee shop and show up 15 minutes late and run into somebody Else that doesn't get there the same time as you. (laughs) But that doesn't occur to people. No, I actually do that on purpose. So like I had to get a COVID test to go to a Katie Couric event like a couple weeks ago. And the first immediate care that I went to, you like you had to show that you have, you know, had a test in 72 hours or whatever to be able to attend the event. And the first immediate care that I went to, like had a four-hour wait. And the second one had like an hour wait and the third one, yeah, I went to so many different places. And then I was like, well, tomorrow I'm taking a different route. I was like, I'm going to a different coffee shop. I was like, you know, this is an adventure I don't normally take. I'm going to see a different mural painting. Like, let me see who,
0: you know, what barista I can meet at the next joint, you know? So where does that come from though? Like, where does that come from? I don't know.
3: That's totally just... I'm like, I'm not getting a
0: COVID test every
3: day. So let's shake this up a bit. You know, I'm doing something different. So let's make it even more different. And then I was like, I need to do more different, (laughs) you know, but also listening to different shows and seeing people who are successful. It's true what they're doing. Well, you get ideas from that. Like today I ran across this post and this lady was like, you know, I took a, 15 year break, and I was a mom and then became an entrepreneur. And today is National Entrepreneurs Day. And I'm going to thank two entrepreneurs that have been impactful in my journey. I was like, that's a genius post. Didn't even know it was National Entrepreneur Day. I'm taking that. I'm going to run with that. I'm going to include that in my next post. Yep. Yeah. Right. So, one of my keys to engagement, by the way, is going to Twitter. What's been retweeted 179 times? How can I say that in my voice? Going to Quora, what's been responded to? Going to different sites, going to different bulletins, what is being talked about and really engaged? And how can you make that part of your experience? How would you ask that question? How would you respond and make it your question? Post it in your group, post it on your feed, test your audience. Yeah. But pick a popular topic that you're like, hell yeah, to.
0: You need to have some sort of spark of it in yourself,
3: whatever stops me in my tracks. Like if I'm reading a book and I'm like, hell yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm writing that down. Or if I'm listening to a podcast and I'm like, hell yeah, wherever my hell yeah moments are. I'm like, I'm making that mine. I'm going to try that. Yeah. I'm going to try that. Yeah. Because if you relate to it like that, your people will relate to it like that. Whatever you Go all in with and like make it seem great. It's like your
0: enthusiasm around the topic that makes it great. And is that your secret ingredient? I think it is. I yeah, think it
3: is. Yeah,
0: I think where people, I'm like at the front of the queue for that one, but I think where people fall down is that it's it's personal. When things yeah, don't, don't let it
3: be so personal.
0: Yeah. Evan Carmichael is,
3: he's like such an inspiration to me. I love his lives. I love how he tries to serve people. And he says, if you have an idea, try it. He literally like doesn't think twice. And I've been doing more and more of that. And I see how powerful it is. Look, I have chosen not to do podcast episodes because I've tested my little 650 person audience of my people. Yeah, and I'm like, hey, what do you think about this subject? And I'll get like one or two comments. I'm like, okay, that one wasn't a hot one. And then I'll do another question and I'll get like 50 responses. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe people will listen to that one. Right? Yeah. It's like my testing ground right there.
0: Yeah. And I think that's why you get so much engagement is because it's always different. It's always like, it is so clearly your testing ground, but you're so genuinely interested in getting a response. And when people know that they're not expected to respond, but the response is welcomed and appreciated and counts for something, people are more willing to just jump in. Cause like there's lots, there's there are lots of Facebook groups. I don't know if you knew this or not. Oh yeah. But <laughs> here's
3: another thing too, because like I've joined some of those lots of Facebook groups, like the women entrepreneurs. There's a zillion women entrepreneur groups. And how quickly can I spot a question that's gonna lead to you DMing me with trying to sell me? I literally can spot those.
0: Oh yeah. Like the ones that are like,
3: so how many of you women in here have five employees? Because that equates to you make X number of dollars and you can afford my services and you're in the place of someone I want to pitch. I never post crap like that. Or, no. hey, drop your Instagram and let's all follow each other. But how many people really are going to follow you and how many people are going to unfollow you? Like it's just a train of shenanigans.
0: Yeah, I find you have to be really careful how you approach those things because it goes back to that integrity. Like, are you genuinely asking a question or are you genuinely trying to sell something? And like, I know in my group, I do try and sell things, but I'm also very upfront about it. And it's based off of the feedback that I get in the group we really need this. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll just create it. And then let's, let's do this. But when it comes off as that innocuous question that has layers buried underneath it.
3: Oh God. I have one that I like, I have to read you. I got this today and was just like, there are people that would literally take this message. They would black out the name and they would show this as like a bad example. Here you go. Hi Rena, I'm looking for new high ticket closers to work with us. Would you be interested in learning more? Comp is 10k to 30k plus. Let me know. And then the next message after I didn't respond to that lovely I have no relationship with you message. Just making sure you saw my message.
0: Yeah, I'm finding I get those <laughs> from my podcast. And then you go like you go into Reddit or whatever and you're like check this message and boom, 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 boom everybody's like spam. You know, it's How many people arts. did he
3: send that to for him to get a response? And okay. So another thing that I've done for business, like during this pandemic is manage people's LinkedIn inboxes. I've done that for multiple people mm-hmm. and they will send these campaigns to everyone. And even if you change the name, I can tell it's a campaign. Like, thank you, Celia. Oh, do you want to say hi, Celia? Cause we talked about how awesome you are and we talked about your book
0: hi hi Celia how are you
3: I'm good I'm getting my teeth
0: pulled tomorrow though oh okay well I'm glad I'm asking you now and not tomorrow we had a
3: girl on my podcast that got in a bike accident and knocked her teeth out and I think we're gonna call her before the exam she said she she would give Celia a pump-up speech Okay, okay
0: bye Bye Celia, good luck tomorrow.
3: You're awesome, see? This is mompreneurship at its finest. I actually really love, and that was like a bonus. I love including her
0: in my episodes. I have noticed that, I have noticed. And how does she feel about it? It's made her more comfortable,
3: because she's kind of shy. So just like it's made me more comfortable, In front of audiences and speaking to people, the more you do it, you hone those skills. I just joined Toastmasters recently to get rid of filler words and work on setting the stage and having my stories
0: unfold better. Yeah, that's a brilliant organization. I just started publishing to YouTube, but I don't. Me too. Oh yeah, but you do. Just
3: recently started.
0: You don't do any solo episodes, so do you?
3: I haven't. Yeah, I did recently just interview my daughter. And so that will be coming out soon. I need to work on doing
0: some solo episodes. Have you done them? Most of mine are solo episodes. I've only done maybe a dozen interviews. So all of my YouTube stuff is, it's just the audio. I don't have any of the video and I don't have any downloads either. Are you <laughs> boys interested in helping you with that? That could be a good project. Yes. Yeah. I'm trying it, to get
3: my oldest to help me with my YouTube channel.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing that they're like, one of them in particular, he's like, well, are you doing your tags right? And are you doing this? And are you, let me check this because I suspect you're not doing this exactly the way it should be done. And like, he's really into it. And I, I love it. I'm like, yeah. Okay, cool. hey, let
3: him know if he wants an internship.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I know. I s- help with that too. <laughs> I had somebody else say, "Would he edit my videos?" <laughs> so now I'm thinking about like making, getting him a business card or something. He can, yeah, totally. He can graduate from shoveling the the snow to something that keeps you warm. It's really interesting to see them go after what they're interested in like your daughter with that, with the book and him with his coding and to see the opportunities that come their way even at the age they're at and how they deal with them.
3: I feel like so many people during the pandemic have gone after talents. That has been a big shift. Yeah. People have now had time and more freedom and breathability to do that. Less commuting, less micromanaging and and more room to think about what's important a beautiful blessing in this pandemic and I hope that that stays when things change
0: me too is there anything that we wanted you wanted to say or cover that we haven't touched on I loved getting
3: to know you better. Thank you for being a part of my journey for the last year and all of that. Because
0: I remember when that email, or when it wasn't an email, it was like, a. I think you sent me a Facebook message and was like, hey, I'm creating this group. You want to come in? I was like, cool, okay. (laughs) And then to watch it explode and to like watch you just skyrocket. And now I know why. It's because you tried. I
3: wish too that- I could figure out ways to be more of service or more useful around kind of the topic that I initially thought the group was going to be about. Like I have a love for LinkedIn and I thought this could be a space where I talked more about that, but it's turned more into just a community and kind of a springboard and a way to support people on Fridays where you can promote anything.
0: (laughs) Have you ever, have you thought about changing the name of it? I have. I was like, should
3: I just turn this into like the Better Call Daddy community? But it's not really that. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, eh. my people are sticking around. Like nobody I, I've had a couple people come and go, but for the most part, like I feel like it's a good group of people that have stayed with me the last year.
0: Yeah. It seems like a really nice group of people. Yeah. People who are actually engaged and want to chat and not just chat with you, but like chat with each other. There's always little conversations that are happening. That's great. I love that. Yeah. I'm happy when that
3: happens. I'm like, oh Oh cool. I wouldn't have guessed that those two would get along, but awesome. I know most people in there or at least talk
0: to them. Yeah. That's funny. No, thank you. This has been absolutely brilliant. I think I covered like two questions off of my sheet, but I've had the best evening sitting here chatting. So thank you so much for your time and all of your wisdom. Holy smokes. It's been brilliant. I actually think I'm going to call this episode. I'll try that. I'll try it. (laughs) I love that. That was like the theme the whole way through. And I loved it. I love, I love that. I respect and admire that so much.
3: I've given a talk on being bold. I really think that people should try that.
0: I'm with you. Like I'm push right behind
3: yourself, you. Yeah. Push yourself <laughs> to do something that you've thought about doing and just try it. Like so many people have ideas that they never take one step towards. Maybe it's not even something that you would enjoy, like once you try it, or maybe it will pivot you in a new direction or a new opportunity or a new connection, or you'll be able to collaborate with someone.
0: You're very inspirational. Yay. Thank you. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Yes. Thanks so much for listening this week. I invite you to sign up for my email list or join me in the Connections Coffee and Confidence community on Facebook. Those are the people who get first dibs on any classes or products I create and they benefit from the extras I can't get into in a podcast format. I also lovingly request that if you've enjoyed this podcast you leave a review on Apple. When I see a new review, I get so excited, I almost spill my cappuccino froth. Almost. And if you're a woman entrepreneur who's ready to get serious about using the power of communications to grow your business, send me an email at janice at janicefogarty.com. All my details are in the show notes. Thank you again for listening today, and I'll chat with you again next week.